You're listening to Strong Runner Chick Radio, episode 25. Welcome to Strong Runner Chick Radio, a leading online community where our goal is to educate, empower, and connect female distance runners across the world. We believe in healthy running, fueling, and embracing our strength as female distance runners inside and out. Through interviews with top professional, collegiate, and master's level runners, leading dietitians, coaches, sports psychologists, and runners of all shapes and sizes, we hope to spread the message that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to distance running. Now, let's get to the show. All right, but before we get to the show, I do want to give a special shout-out to one of our retreat sponsors, Boulder Organic Coffee. Boulder Organic is a Fairtrade USA certified organic coffee roaster in Boulder, Colorado. They offer subscription coffee where you can order online. It's all small batch made with the highest quality beans. Check them out at boulderorganiccoffee.com. And if you're still thinking about signing up for our retreat, we do have just a few spots open. And we say this because we literally have two to three spots remaining. So if you would like to be one of those wonderful ladies that joins us this summer in Boulder for the SRC retreat, find our website, strongrunnerchicks.com, and you can sign up there. Thanks, and feel free to let us know if you have any questions. Enjoy the show. Hi, Strong Runner Chicks. This is Kelsey. Um, today, I have a very special guest who I'm really excited about because we're totally going to geek out together. Yeah. Um, this is the first um, sports psychology consultant that we've had on the uh, podcast aside from myself. So it's super exciting. So I want to welcome Andrea. Adrian, excuse me, laundry leg. Yay. We literally just went through like a five minute procedure on how to say her last name <laughs> because I knew I was going to butcher it as soon as we went on. And I was like, how do you say it again? How do you say it again? So thank you, Adrian, for being super patient with me. Oh, no problem. It's fine. So it's one of those things like I don't expect anybody to get it down. So <laughs> here's, I think like my translation is it's French for do your best. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's so much fun. Um, So I also should mention Strong Runner Chicks that Megan is unavailable to be with us tonight. So she, it's just Adrian and I, which um, we will miss Megan, but it's also kind of cool just to have two sports psychology consultants together, Mm kind of just hash it out. So we'll see how this goes, but Megan, we do wish you were here with us. Um, So let me introduce Adrian and welcome you to the podcast. So Adrian began her work as a sports psychology consultant and counselor shortly after obtaining her master's of arts degree in clinical psychology. Pairing her background as a lifelong athlete with a passion to help others become their best and strongest selves. Adrienne's work is designed around the individual's athlete's unique needs, goals, and styles. Using a number of techniques to enhance performance and work through any difficulties an athlete or team may be facing. She is passionate about helping the athlete not only perform better, but develop lasting skills that generalize to all areas of life. She now calls the Woodlands, Texas home and has served as an adjunct professor in the kinesiology department at Sam Houston State University. A passionate runner, Adrian regularly trains and competes not when, when not working with athletes and is a two-time local elite athlete for the Chevron and Am, Am, Aram, 
how do you say that? Aramco. Aramco. Thank you. Yeah. Houston Half Marathon, in addition to being a multiple-time qualifier for the Boston Marathon and USA Triathlon, USTA, Age Group National Championships. She currently runs for the um, the Houston Harriers racing team. When not working with athletes or competing, she can be found volunteering in the local athletic community. So welcome to the SRC Radio, Adrian. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be fun. Yes, I'm excited. So something that's actually really funny um, is that Adrian and I have a common friend, Miss um, Lauren Ross, who I actually went to high school with and still stay in touch with. I've actually just been texting her right before this. And um, Adrian <laughs> told me that you know her as well. So that's such a small world. Hi, Lauren, if you're listening. Uh, Love hope, you. <laughs> I'm totally going to send this to her afterwards and tell her that we geeked out that we know, know Lauren. And we actually hope to have Lauren um, on the podcast in the future because she is a an RD and we really, really yeah. want to get her on because she's incredible. Um, so we kind of mentioned this in your introduction, but how did you get your start in running? Okay, so um, We'll just say my very first distance run, and this is going to sound so crazy and nerdy and all that kind of stuff. So when I realized that I could actually do this, I was probably like six or seven years old. I was a little kid. Okay. The family dog got out. So (laughs) little Adrian took it upon herself to, she was going to go get the family dog. So I, I already like to run and help people from a very early age, basically. I don't know how far I ran. But I, I remember vividly seeing my aunt's car pulling out of my mom's driveway because they went looking for me. I obviously was out pretty far. So I just kind of came back into the house. And of course, I was a little, you know, hot and tired, but I found the dog. And they're just like, Adrian, what did you do? We were so worried. I'm like, it's fine. I got the dog. I just ran out to get him. So that's when I knew. I'm like, okay, my legs actually can do, can do this. So I've always kind of had an interest in running. Um, I kind of flirted off and on with competitive running uh, throughout my life, throughout my sporting career. I played basically everything when I was younger um, and uh, settled on track when I was in junior high. Uh, very, very good at it. However, I had a wicked case of performance anxiety. Mm. So I ended up uh, not continuing, made the decision freshman year to play soccer because I was fast. I was aggressive. Mm. But it also wasn't all upon me. So it's kind of ironic that I needed somebody like myself so badly when I was in school. Um, when I was younger, I guess I kind of became that in a sense. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's kind of how I first started is, you know, I've watched track on TV, like when the mm-hmm. Summer Olympics would come on and stuff like that. Um, so it's just, it's naturally been something I gravitated to. And even when I played soccer, I would run to stay in shape. Um, mm-hmm. It was just it's what I did. It's what I enjoyed. And, you know, I felt powerful doing it. So I kept on. Mm. Um, I think it's so funny because we've had so many guests on the podcast who have gotten their start in running, playing soccer or have done it. um, But I bet you nobody has gotten it chasing the family dog. I was just going to say that. I think that's probably (laughs) the most unique story we've had on here. Um, Aside from absolutely true. Right. And aside from people who will say like they started running because they hated it. And like, that's Mm -hmm. that to me, that's so like, I love that because it's so unique to that individual. So you literally have the most unique start to running Mm -hmm. story that I've ever heard. Adrian. Nice. I mean, it was natural. It was just like, yeah. just let him get him. Yes. Like, I can do this. 
Oh, totally. So um, you started running, catching um, your dog, which I love. Um, but during graduate school, you said that you became more of a serious runner. And I was really interested when I read this because I feel like so many people define serious runner in a, in a, you know, a unique way to themselves. So I'm curious, what does being a serious runner mean to you? Yeah, and it's like, actually, when I saw that question, when he sent it to me, I was just like, yeah, that does kind of leave it open to interpretation. So for me, it was, number one, I decided I don't care if I am scared to death to race. I'm doing this. Mm. I'm good at it. I'm curious. I want to see how I can, how good I can be. Mm -hmm. So we're going to figure out and go for it. So I didn't realize that it was going to be basically my first few weeks in grad school. I knew I was going to run okay. uh, just because I managed stress that way. And again, mm -hmm. it was just kind of already part of my routine. And I started right. really identifying as a runner. Okay. So I'm sitting in physiological psychology with uh, the professor's name was Dr. Wilson. Mm -hmm. And he's sitting there in front of the class as laid back as can be sipping his coffee. And he goes, anybody in here a runner? And I just kind of raised my hand I'm like, yeah, I run, you know, mm -hmm. several times a week. We have a training group. Uh, we meet at the state park, come out and run with us. And I, okay, I'm not gonna lie. I wanted to be in my professor's good graces uh, <laughs> because I was a nerd and uh -huh. I wanted to outdo every, all my classmates. Totally fine. So I joined them and they can't keep up with me. And I'm like, this is really weird. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, let's, let's start racing. Um, so I got talked into doing a 5K. We're at a mixer. We're just getting going in our programs. And uh, they're like, come run this 5K. And it was a, a right place, right time type thing. Mm -hmm. And I was just feeling impulsive enough. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So I got up in the morning, just at this barbecue with you know my cohorts. And I'm getting up to run a 5K in the morning. Had no idea what to expect. Had no idea how bad it was going to hurt at the end. Because I really mm -hmm. wasn't trained for it. But I ended up running a fairly decent time and ended up finishing up top. So I'm like, okay, that's it, Adrian. We're, we're actually, we're going to see this through. Okay. And I needed something also in graduate school. I needed something other than school. I needed yeah. something other than my homework, my practicum, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Because I was told again and again and again that clinical psychology is like the Marines. Mm -hmm. It's challenging it's difficult it's stressful and I'm just like I'm sorry clinical psych you can't have all of me mm -hmm. so started running mm -hmm. and uh what by serious that turns into I started following a training plan okay I started instead of I would just go run for about 40 minutes and go wherever the heck I wanted you know if I wanted to go a little faster I'd go a little faster if I wanted to go a little further I wanted to go a little I went a little further but there was not a whole lot of structure or, mm -hmm. or meaning behind it mm -hmm. or reason so my training became purposeful. I trained for my first half marathon, um, hired a coach shortly after that. And, uh, you know, it was a pretty quick trajectory, which I think was both a blessing and a curse because, you know, I got really fast, really fast. Mm -hmm. That sounds weird, but whatever. <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying? Yes. And uh, I went from just kind of being this average grad school student who, you know, has a background in fitness and stuff like that mm -hmm. and sport to actually, you know, being this, at least on the local level, kind of like a being this elite athlete. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a interesting transition. Yeah. And I had to change the way I perceive myself mm -hmm. is I'm, you know, I 
have to live a little bit differently. I have to do things a little bit differently and be a little mindful about rest and managing my stress and what to do with my body and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But uh, it was, it, yeah, it was a very empowering experience. And I was kind of like a deer in the headlights because I didn't run in college. I didn't even, you know, I barely ran in high school. <laughs> like I had district medals from mm -hmm. uh, junior high. Mm -hmm. And then here I am, you know, I got quick enough. I had a, I ran for Brooks for a couple of years. Very cool. But it was, it was wild. So mm -hmm. it, it's, it's still kind of wild to be honest. Yeah. Like I'm 35 now and uh, you know, I'm, hitting my stride again I've had a lot of injuries like I've mm -hmm. had you know I've lost count of how many stress fractures and stuff like that mm -hmm. I've had but I've kind of finally come back and I'm just like this is awesome because I'm mm -hmm. starting to my workouts are starting to click my coaches I have this amazing coach and amazing team mm -hmm. so it's kind of like I had a I hit a rough patch kind of you know a few years into kind of my running career or whatever and I'm just like, this can't be over. This can't be done. So I'm going to find a way to put it back together. So now here we are. Oh, that's so great. And um, what was it like to hit that rough patch? Because I can imagine that, you know, running sounds like it was, you know, or it is, it was a stress reliever for you mm -hmm. in graduate school. And it seems mm -hmm. like it sounds like it's something you're very passionate about. Oh, um, yeah. Well, because, it's been yeah. for a while into something that, I, I don't want to say it was all consuming, but it was close. Like, you know, what, granted, I, ha I had training in psychology, but I mm -hmm. really heavily identified as the runner. Yep. And uh, believe it or not, I was kind of a shy kid in school. Mm -hmm. So uh, not very high, you know, with, when it comes to confidence. So I kind of found my confidence and stuff like that in running, and I became overly reliant, you know, and I work with this with runners all the time mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. is – uh, I became over re re overly reliant on my self-worth coming from mm -hmm. my performance. Gotcha. So now that I didn't have that and, you know, I was in a walking boot for a month or two, you know, come back, race, train a little bit, and then end up in a boot again or mm -hmm. laid up again. Um, what I found is, you know, at first I had to kind of work through a bit of an identity crisis. Yep. Then I decided, okay, it doesn't have to be this way. So I worked on, I worked through, you know, I found other interests to pursue. Like I started writing a blog um, mm -hmm. and I started trying to spend more time with friends and trying to slowly, you know, devote more time to my practice and stuff like that. Just face mm -hmm. it. That's what pays my bills. Mm -hmm. um, not running. <laughs> running does not pay my bills. It, you know, maybe psychologically it does, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, I can't live off of it. Mm -hmm. So reprioritizing has been a process, mm -hmm. um, learning how to take care of my body. Mm -hmm. I did what I advise my injured athletes to do now is I turned recovery and healing into almost a sport. Mm -hmm. I'd set goals and you know, it was, I'd have objectives every day is okay. I'm just going to rock my PT this week yeah. or I'm going to do my stretching and, you know, whatever rehab I had that day, Epsom salt bathing, whatever mm -hmm. I was supposed mm -hmm. to do, that I would slide into my workout time. So I still mm -hmm. kind of kept a similar schedule. And I think that's actually kind of important. Mm -hmm. Once you kind of go through the morning period of being injured mm -hmm. is you get back on schedule. You may yeah. not be lacing up, but you're rehabbing, you're okay. cross training mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I also lean pretty heavily on social support and all that kind of stuff. Fortunately, I have some great friends who 
also run, you know, a lot of my social circle naturally comes from Mm -hmm. the running community. Mm -hmm. So they understood what I was going through, which was great. And what's really cool is like now when friends of mine or something like that go through this, like I know, I kind of, I know how to talk them through it. And Mm -hmm. it's not like this vague thing where, or we're just like, oh, this is what we can and cannot talk about and stuff right. like that. And it's like, I, you know, I don't know what you're going through, mm-hmm. but I know it sucks and mm-hmm. I can empathize with you. And if you mm-hmm. want to know about this injury or what, what it's like for me, I'd be happy to help walk you mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. I, I love, love, love what you said about making your um, recovery and your, re- or your prehab or rehab. Yeah, well, um, here's the deal. We're athletes. Yeah. And, and that's what I think screwed me up at first and screws, you know, a lot of us up is the fact that na- the now what mm-hmm. is might as well stay on schedule. You don't have to be yeah. rigid with it per se, mm-hmm. but why not stay on a relative schedule? So habit's still there. Yeah. You know, it's never going to replace the rush that you get mm-hmm. running. Right. But it's going to keep the structure in place. And, you know, most of us runners anyway, that's kind of our mindset is we thrive on structure. Mm-hmm. So we got to create that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just love that idea. I think that, like you said, an injured athlete can feel really lost. And mm-hmm. so giving them that structure like is so powerful mm-hmm. because it's kind of giving them autonomy at the same time, you know? Yeah. Um, and, that's, and that's great. Um, and it sounds at the end too, what I loved you talking about was your, you talked about your social supports mm-hmm. and I wanted to get into that a little bit more. Cause I know that you race for, um, or you race with your team is the, yeah. The Houston Harriers. Um, and so how do you find that racing and training connects you with others? Well, of course, there's the obvious is we all have that common interest and common experience mm-hmm. um, to where, you know, maybe the people on the outside think we're all kind of weird and all that kind of stuff. They don't really get us. It's just like I, you know, I, I actually I, I meet people from all over the country, mm-hmm. you know, and. I was actually hanging out at the Houston Marathon. I didn't race this year. Okay. But uh, just the connection even online where uh, it just turns out there was a girl I went to college with. Mm-hmm. We connected and had brunch. So oh, it's cool. like we had like three states represented at the brunch table mm-hmm. uh, just because of this common interest. So we just sat there. We talked shop. We had a mm-hmm. great time. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really cool. And running, mm-hmm. I think, is also career-wise. I mean, it's... I honestly, I think because of running, I have the job that I have now, Mm -hmm. um, you know, intrinsically it's given me the confidence I need to, Mm -hmm. you know, do some hard things. You know, my, Mm -hmm. I have a fun job and as you know, it's, it's as wonderful as it is challenging, right? Because we walk into the door, you know, any given day, we don't know what's going to happen. So we got to be confident that we can adapt and flex and meet these people where where they are and all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. to kind of digress a little bit, but unfortunately, I live about 30 minutes out from my team. So okay. I try to train with them a few times a month. But when mm-hmm. I do, it's just like I just saw them. Yeah. And, you know, I have some teammates. We text all the time. And, of course, me and Lauren, well, Lauren's got a great Instagram. Yeah. Anybody that follows her, I mean, that is, a, that is probably one of the funnest follows on Instagram. Mm-hmm. She's but, awesome. Uh, yeah, we'll banter back and forth. And stuff <laughs> like that. But, and, and we're all like, we're all very competitive. But it's, mm-hmm. we push each other. And mm-hmm. uh, this team especially is it's all about the common goal. Like, we want to win the race series. You know, there's relays and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. 
So, you know, a lot of us are in our kind of mid to kind of late mid twenties to late thirties. Okay. So we're also kind of in a similar stage of life too. So it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. And it's so nice to hear that you're able to make that connection without it being too, I find that it's really challenging sometimes, especially in the running world to make that connection without having it be very, very competitive. Right. Um, and so it's nice for me to hear that you're able to do that and right. support one another, empower one another. That's really, oh, yeah. that's really great. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's just like on the team Facebook page is, uh, it's very positive. Mm-hmm. It's everybody's building each other up, congratulating each other on races, except for our coach who likes to talk smack when he <laughs> uh, puts our track workouts up there, but gotcha. that's the point. <laughs> it's all in good fun. So of course, yeah. Because like, we work hard, but we also don't take, and that's kind of the vibe with you know this team is yeah. we don't take ourselves so seriously. Yeah. Mm. Which, given the runner kind of I was when I was younger, yeah, this has been so needed in my running life, and I honestly give kind of this environment credit for kind of bringing me back. And stuff is because I, you know, I've kind of learned just like, just find joy, just have fun. It's like, I do that yeah. and I focus on just improving and getting a little bit better every day and seeing mm-hmm. my friends and stuff like that. I'm going to get better. Yeah. You know, I'm going to improve. Yeah. Oh, that's, I, I really do like that. And it sounds, um, I'm wondering too, um, cause you mentioned when you were a younger runner, you know, it was obviously you had a different mentality, a different mindset yeah. than you do now. Well, I had um, something to prove back then. Okay. In, in my head, I had something to prove. In reality, I did not. Okay. I, I see. Just, I just needed to just go out there and be myself. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and do you feel as though, so what, um, actually let's transition here, um, really quickly before I ask that, that next question. Um, uh-huh. but how did you get into the field of sports psychology and sport performance psychology? You mentioned it a little bit here and there, but yeah, I'd like to hear a little another, more detail. I'm actually known with my clients for <laughs> having a story for literally everything. <laughs> like I, I, like I, how I'm you just, got your start in running. Yeah. So. The perfect story. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I'm just like, should I tell the dog story? I'm like, um, well, yes, weird. Then again, absolutely. But uh, so I've always kind of been interested, or at least I kind of started in high school. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a lawyer. Of course, I wanted to chase the big money, have the nice <laughs> house and the car and all that kind of stuff. Then I realized uh, I'm not good at chemistry, and blood freaks me out. And right there with you. I do lawyer, like no offense to anybody who's a lawyer, just did not actually interest me. Mm. So the but human behavior, why we do what we do, uh, and especially like this kind of developed in college, uh, kind of the science of success and uh, resilience and stuff like that is what makes people tick who are successful. And um, you know that's always fascinated me, and I always wanted to you know I. I wanted to work with exceptional people. You know, I wanted to help them and all that kind of stuff, which I do. I get to work with exceptional people every day, and it's awesome. Like, I'm always the least talented one in the room uh, at any given time, and that is perfectly okay with me. But anyway, so kind of how that started is uh, I actually kind of lost my way in college a little bit, Um, and that's why resilience was such a big piece for me because – my academics weren't good. I was, I was at a university starting off majoring in business because I thought that was the right thing to do mm-hmm. because I didn't get, you know, I was like, well, psychology, that's really hard to get into and I'm going to have to get really good grades. I'm going to have to go to extra school. So 
I was just a little lost, you know. So um, figured out, okay, business is not what I want to do after my grades are just trash. So I uh, took some time and so actually took a year off of school, kind of soul searched a little bit, um, you know, kind of connected with some friends who were good role models and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the psychology thing came back and came back with a vengeance. The idea of I want to make this a reality. So went back to school, changed my major, had a totally different mindset, ended up changing schools. I needed a different environment. And, um, you know, as a psych major, I was studying at Texas A&M. That's where I graduated from. Whoop. I'll actually be there tomorrow <laughs> seeing athletes. Um, but uh, so I get into it and I worked as a personal trainer in college. So I was all, you know, so I was around people and, uh, they weren't, you know, my clients were awesome and they'd work hard, mm -hmm. but of course our sessions, they sounded more like therapy mm -hmm. and, you know, we were always getting stuck because they were doing great in the gym, but they would undermine themselves. And I'm mm -hmm. just like, okay, what we, there's something else beyond, beyond this and I can't tap into it right now. So, um, so I remember I was actually having a conversation with my best friend from high school who also lived in the area. And, uh, I remember, I remember exactly where this conversation took place. We were driving down Wellborn Road, that's what it's called, by the university going to dinner. And uh, I'm talking about my major, and I'm just like talking, geeking out over this cool stuff that I learned. And then I start talking about personal training and all that kind of stuff. Because I never kind of shook that jock identity, mm -hmm. or at least like with my friends too. And, and I'm just like, well, maybe I want to go into this part of site because I wasn't 100% sure. Like, I was leaning toward marriage and family therapy at one mm. point. Oh, interesting. And uh, we get quiet for a second in the car, and she was just like, Adrian, you need to be a sports psychologist. And at first, I laughed at her um, because I was just like, haha, those are, like, super rare, and there's only, like, three that exist, and, you know, it's, like, it's easier to get into the CIA than it is to be a sports psychologist. And I just thought it was just you worked with the upper echelon and that was it and the entry was I don't know I had this really weird misconception about sports site so the next semester I took an I took a, an abnormal site class because mm -hmm. I was on my degree plan my professor who I still stay in touch with today mm -hmm. his other area was sports site mm -hmm. so I made friends with him mm -hmm. and picked his brain and said <laughs> I spent countless hours in his office in college just talking about the field and how it can look and different entry points and all that kind of stuff so I do give this instructor a lot of credit and I also give my friend Chrissy a lot of credit with again right place right time mm -hmm. right conversation that I just happen to be paying attention at those moments so that became kind of my new focus is I was going to pursue the clinical psych route because I wanted to be able to do more than sport. Mm -hmm. I wanted that flexibility because sport, I always say sport doesn't occur in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. We've got to address, you know, if, if there is anything, we have to address the well-being and the mental health of the athlete first. And maybe I'm just selfish and greedy, but I want to be able to do it all. I don't want to just visualize with them and get them to relax. I really want to get into whatever is going on with them and walk them through that. So the clinical background is really helpful with that. Mm -hmm. So that from there, I just started learning, joined the Association for Applied Sports Psychology, mm -hmm. did projects and stuff like that related to sports psych. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, got my master's, worked in the general field, but I asked the uh, director of the, practice, my, the, the first practice I worked at, hey, can I dabble in some sports psych? Mm. And, you know, I think they wanted to maybe increase their bottom line. So they're like, yeah, sure, go for it. And they knew mm-hmm. I was a runner and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's where it took off. And uh, that was almost a decade ago. And now I'm sitting here in my first week in my new private practice. So very convoluted, very random story, but that's what I got. That's kind of how I got into sports psych. No, I think it's a great story. I mean, it's taken a lot of tenacity, a lot of perseverance and you've got to be a little, almost a little crazy yourself. Yes. It's because you got to take some risks, but Mm -hmm. this is, I I figured out this is my passion. And now I'm just like, maybe this actually is what I was put on earth to do. How did you know it was your passion? Because I would just find myself and here. I'm, I'm going to sound really geeky now. No, I would just no, think no. about it and I would just picture myself just sitting, you know, just sitting there, just helping out. Yeah. You know, I, I would, I would daydream about working with NFL players and Olympic athletes and all that oh, kind of stuff. Yeah. What is my office going to look like? Mm-hmm. And, uh, kind of, kind of the whole shebang, like, you know, being on the sidelines or sitting in the stands, you know, watching my athletes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that was who I wanted to be. Yeah, is you know just there, just kind of supporting them, and it just got me excited. It got me excited to actually want to go do things and contribute, because you know I, I only do a handful of things well, uh, but run, write, and counsel, and so I put them all together. Oh my gosh! And now that you're like this dream that you have is coming to fruition, like you, crazy. What, yeah, I was just about to say, what does that feel like? Like, I mean, you you manifested on this for so mm-hmm. long, and you've known for a decade that this is what you want to do. Yeah. And now things are finally coming to kind of like, yeah. not that they weren't in play before, but now it's finally coming. What has that? What is that realization like? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll I'll be honest. There were times where I'm just like, okay, is this actually going to work? Mm-hmm. Should I go into a different field? Should I just take a job and play it safe? But there was just, I'm not the type to give up. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm the type, I'm going to find a way, whether that is for myself or whether that's working with an athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, you know, it it was slow going at first, but Mm -hmm. I was just like, okay, we're going to find a way to make this work. Um, So, of course, there were those moments where I'm just like, you know, forget it. You know, I'm just going to take the easy way out. Then Mm -hmm. I was just like, no, we're, we're, we're making, we're, and I'd, I'd kind of look at the big picture and think, okay, look how far I've come since I first started. Yes. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And what about this? And another thing that I'll, I'll be upfront and frank about is I really struggled. And I actually put this on my blog, um, which I almost didn't because I was mm-hmm. kind of freaked out about mm-hmm. it, was I had to really work through some wicked imposter syndrome yeah. because I wasn't a college athlete. You know, I was just kind of this random suddenly – you know, I went from nothing to being basically an elite. Mm. So that never, you know, I never fully stopped and just kind of looked at all of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I kind of had to fight the inner demons of, you know, the negative self-talk. Who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know what you're talking about and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was probably my biggest battle mm-hmm. is uh, just actually growing into the role and becoming comfortable with what I've been trained to do, becoming comfortable with my experience. And, you know, I had to completely change the way I viewed myself. And it started with the way I talked to myself. It's like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, 
I'd go into like a talk or a presentation and I'd have to, for every time they'd tell me, I'd tell myself, oh, well, they're not going to care about what you have to say or something like that, or they're not into it. I'd be like, look, you're the real deal. You're prepared. You know what you're talking about. This is what you love. Go out there and do it. So doing that over and over and over again, it started to kind of take hold. And, you know, I'll I'll admit it's still, you know, I'll I'll still have thoughts like that every now and then. Mm But uh, a lot of it is just kind of embracing. And my colleague, Cinder Campoff, I just finished her book, uh, Beyond Grit. Mm-hmm. Um, she writes a chapter on owning who you are. Mm. And it was one of those, I was reading it and I had to put it down. I'm like, oh my God, that is so awesome. <laughs> and I was yeah. just like, this has been kind of the journey that I've been on yeah. is, you know, overcoming, you know, my own confidence is- mm-hmm. issues and stuff like that. And I think that's enabled me to actually be more effective with my mm-hmm. clients. Mm-hmm. is because I'm very authentic with them. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to spill everything, but, you know, I, I know what it's like to struggle with some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that makes you more relatable to them, I think. Um, but it's funny you mentioned Cinder Campoff because I met her two years ago at the um, ASP conference. She's and great, isn't she? she? Oh, my gosh. What a wonderful. Well, look at her now. She works with the Vikings. Oh my gosh. Incredible. And it's so, I thought it was so powerful to see a female in a oh, male yeah. dominated setting because this field yeah. is mostly male dominated. And yeah. um, so I, that was really powerful as a becoming an up and coming sports psychology consultant to see yeah. that. So that was yeah. really cool. Well, um, that really opens the door for young ladies yes. who are like, can I make this work? Can I mm-hmm. do this? The answers are resounding yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I kind of want to dig a little bit deeper into sport and performance psychology with you. Um, sure. So what, I guess, how do I, I guess, oh, I have so many questions I want to ask you. Um, <laughs> so everyone's unique, but oh, yeah. um, do you find that there are some overarching techniques that you use with athletes that um, our listeners may, you know, be able to use mm-hmm. um, um, with themselves? Okay. One of them is, you know, of course, it comes down to the control, the controllables. Mm -hmm. I don't care who you are, what your thinking style, your personality is. uh, That's a very valuable thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give everybody a quick and dirty exercise for free. Yes, please. (laughs) So, so say like maybe you've you've been experiencing like some negative self-talk in your races or workouts or you're struggling with some stuff. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. team dynamics, you know, whatever it is. Uh, what you want to do actually is just literally draw a line or you find yourself comparing. This is a perfect uh, mm-hmm. example for that is literally just grab a piece, piece of paper or dry erase board or something like that. Draw a line down the middle, label C on the left-hand side, label mm-hmm. U for uncontrollable on the other side. And you list out given the situation like road race, track meet, marathon, you know, whatever, especially marathoners. This is a powerful exercise yes. because there is, you can control a lot in a marathon, but yet there's, there's an X factor. Mm-hmm. And what, what it is, is it's a visual tool where you just list everything you can think of that you have control over, okay. list everything you don't. And it can be kind of powerful by listing that the uncontrollables, you can let go of it a little bit easier mm-hmm. because it's out of your head. It's visual and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's one of them. And, you know, another technique is I'm a huge, uh, self-talk reframing girl. Okay. Maybe it's just because I'm a very verbal person and my head's kind of loud. So (laughs) it's kind of naturally what I gravitate towards is, uh, you know, learning how to use your thoughts effectively Mm. 
So good race, bad race, indifferent race. Uh, we want to be able to reframe things. Injuries, we want to learn how to reframe and mm-hmm. see a different perspective for things. Mm-hmm. You know, when stuff doesn't go right with relationships, family, whatever, we need to be able to have the calm conversation with ourselves and kind of befriend ourselves in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and jumping right along with that, in the uh, post you wrote for SRC, um, so Adrian was featured on SRC, um, and so we were super, so thank you again for um, oh, you're being welcome. willing to do that. That was awesome. I love that feature. Um, you you mentioned that you I love, love the name of it. A layer oh, deeper. a layer That's deeper. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, so you you mentioned that you do love doing imagery and you just said relaxation in your previous answer. Um, so a lot of, actually, I find a lot of the athletes that I start working with actually don't know what that is. So would you mind describing those tools since they are very prevalent to athletes and, um, yeah, it's just however you want to attach that. Largely on the surface, like the athletes I see understand it. Mm -hmm. And I will get athletes every now and then where they say, I hate imagery. I'm not going to have them do it. I may every now and then be like, Hey, you know, he said you hated imagery, but this may be a good situation and I'm not going to make them do something they don't want to do. But by and large, they don't know how to use it properly. They're like, oh, just see yourself performing your best. And a trap I see people falling into is, yes, uh-huh. you do want to see yourself performing optimally because you need that template. You need to know right. what it looks like mm-hmm. when competition day comes or that really hard workout. However, it gets dangerous when we don't get Mm -hmm. what we see and then they Mm -hmm. just say, Oh, forget it. I'm not doing this anymore. So that's not what we want to happen. So I take them through and, uh, I had actually have athletes specify certain scenarios Mm -hmm. and I walk them through, uh, okay, give me your highlight reel. So using all five senses, if you can. Mm -hmm. So like say cross country, I love cross country. So I, when I visualize a cross country race, I want to smell the grass, to be honest. I'm going to be wearing, you know, wearing the blue and white. I'm going to have my spikes on. I'm going to be looking around and I'm going to recognize some people and all that kind of stuff. And I want to be in that environment in my head as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm just going to go through the start, go through various points of the race and just kind of do basically a, a run through in real time. So all five senses, like, honestly, I want to visualize and almost feel how bad I'm going to hurt. <laughs> like I'm climbing a hill or something like that because you're mentally prepared. And it's like studying for a test basically mm-hmm. or a movie preview. You're not going to get anything out of it unless there's some exposure. And our brains are so complex. They're kind of dumb mm-hmm. where we don't know <laughs> if like, if there's an image, you know, flashing in our mind's eye, we can, mm-hmm. so we're still going to encode it. We're still going to process it. So it's just like dreams. Like I have the dreams like where I become a millionaire and then I wake yeah. up and I'm like, I go check my bank. Darn. And I'm like, oh crap. What the, what, what the heck? <laughs> and it was very, very real. Right. Imagery is a lot like that. Mm-hmm. So that's one way is just kind of pr- race prep. Uh, if you're struggling with something, like I had an issue uh, kind of in my Come, come back 2.0 where, mm-hmm. you know, I was healthy. I started racing again, but I had lost that instinct to just compete basically. I, mm-hmm. uh, and I would be, you know, kind of in the front of the pack, mm-hmm. but I would always be in a spot and I'd become complacent and I would just lose more energy and power than more girls passing. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to go with them or staying on pace, I would just be like, oh, you don't even belong out here anymore. It would just Mm -hmm. trigger all this negative energy. And I might have been doing fine until these things happen or somebody would gap. 
So guess what? I had to get com- I had to get very uncomfortable picturing this happen because it's not pleasant. Mm-hmm. But over and over again, I went through that scenario, and mm-hmm. it felt you know it it felt like BS at first, mm-hmm. where I'm actually closing the gap or mm-hmm. I'm taking the lead or something like that. And I actually had a race experience a few years ago where doing a cross country race season opener. And I spent, you know, a few weeks, I didn't do it every day, but I did it frequently visualizing working through these performance issues I had. Mm-hmm. So, you know, practicing what I preach and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, I'm in fourth place and uh, a girl passes me on the course. Mm-hmm. I remember on the, on the second loop, what I visualized, I was just like, it just came up. Pass mm-hmm. it. Adrian, try to take the lead. It's just like, you have the legs, go for it. So just like I pictured, I start picking these girls off, take the lead, end up winning the race. Mm. It was, yes, I was in shape, but I wasn't expressing my fitness because my mind was not allowing me to unless I trained it. Okay. Pretty Mm. freaky, isn't it? Yeah. Ooh, it's, I know. And I love what I, and maybe my my mind and my body were actually in agreement because... We, I was able to kind of remove those blocks and overcome those doubts. Yes. And that's where, that's, you know, a personal example, of course, for how imagery works, but it was, it was solution focused. It was scenario based. Yes. If somebody has an injury, um, I kind of, I use imagery too, to kind of help them um, kind of reprocess what they went through and visualize proper mechanics and not guarding and being successful again. So we start from wherever the athlete is at and work mm-hmm. from there when we're visualizing, but you can also, you know, use skill-based imagery. So, you know, go through running form, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's, there's a, a number of combinations, but we just kind of, I just try to find what's germane to the athlete that I'm yeah. working with. Yeah. So there are a few things that I love there. I love in that last statement there, how you talk about individualization for that athlete, because not everybody's imagery is going to be the same or else it's not going to work. Yeah. And that's where, you know, people get to where like, oh, I don't like imagery that much because it's all the same and it doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So true. Um, So I I love that you pointed that out. And I loved also that you said um, the mind and body connection because people forget how- nervous system. Yeah, people forget how powerful that really is, and they focus so much on, okay, I need to do my nutrition, and I need to do strength yeah. training, but you also yeah. need to train your mind, people. Like, this is yeah. a and it, and it's aspect. A, it's, it's a process, and, yes. you know, especially my higher-level athletes, it's, I recommend, you know, like for my college athletes and my pros, even if you're, you know, kicking ass out there, we still need to work on this. We still need to yeah. maintain uh, because it's, and, and even me, myself, I still have to work on my own mental game, mm. whether that is, uh, athletically and professionally, like uh-huh. I just talked about earlier, because it's, it's just like a muscle. It's our brain totally. weighs our thoughts by volume. So mm. the content is so very, very important that mm. it needs to be useful, relevant, and positive. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And um, I also think we should interject here that a lot of athletes think they need to see a sports psychology consultant when there's a problem or yeah. if there's a quote unquote problem. Um, right. And that's not the truth at all. Um, you know, oh, no, 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 no. Know, yeah. yeah. So s- speak to that a little bit because I know you're passionate about that as well. Yeah. Well, it's just like I work very hard to remove the stigma, yes. uh, you know, from this. And, you know, you, 
you don't have to look very hard to, you know, you can just do a Google search, famous athletes who use sports psychology. Mm -hmm. You're going to see names like Lindsey Vaughn. You're going to see names like Tom Brady. Um, You're going to see, you know, certain basketball teams. Uh, The Houston Rockets, I believe, worked with one uh, Mm -hmm. when they made a playoff run and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. The, The U.S. Olympic Committee, I mean, they have a full staff of them. So that usually gets athletes on board uh, pretty easily. But kind of how I like to cut to frame it for athletes is, um, so you do everything but train your mind. Do you still feel like you have more in you? And they'll usually say yes. Mm-hmm. I said, can you access it? Well, mm-hmm. so, I don't know. Maybe if I try, which, you know, it's usually not a very concrete answer. And I'm like, because our thoughts our mindset and just kind of our overall well-being mm-hmm. are they play a role like mm-hmm. you know and it's something that we have habits and we're, we kind of have our biases and stuff like that negative positive and different where you know we we do we have to learn you have to learn yourself and you have to learn what mindset you compete at the best mm-hmm. um so i know i'm kind of like rambling and stuff like no, that no 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 you're fine using myself and thought but um, is teaching them that it's just like a muscle and mm-hmm. you need to just not visualize once or just mm-hmm. not, you know, use positive self-talk once. You need to make it part of your regular routine. Mm-hmm. You need to have a routine. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to pay, be paying attention just like what you put in your body to what you put in and allow in your mind. Yes. Yeah. And that's so true. Cause I think a lot of athletes I know that I've personally worked with as well, you know, think that going to see me or you yeah. once is going to make a difference. <laughs> and you know, I, I'm, you know, it's, I mean, it's so it does, happy. However, yes, 100%, but, but it's a lasting difference. Yes, maybe, and, maybe so, maybe not. Yes. And it's the same thing with like strength training your body and, you know, nutrition, having one healthy meal or going to strength train your body yeah. once, it's not going to make, you know, a huge, it's, it's right, a yeah. step in the right direction, a hundred percent, but it's not right where you need to be yeah. um, to see improvement. Um, so I really, I hope that those who are listening really realize that, you know, you can utilize sports psychology consultants like Adrian and myself yeah. to really help your performance yeah. and help you out. Um, so I guess for those who are listening, who are still a little skeptical, mm-hmm. would you mind, you know, giving us some benefits of working with a sports psychology consultant? Okay. One of the things like that I like to tell people is you are going to enjoy your sport more. Mm-hmm. Um, you are going to know how to deal with things that you have never dealt with before. You may not even be aware that they were hindering you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're more than likely going to perform more consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, that's what a lot of us, at the end of the day, consistency is king. Consistency is, you know, what gets us results. Consistency is what takes us to the next level and all that kind of stuff that happens. Um, and you know, for me, I, I dig this is like, you're going to know yourself so much better and, uh, you're going to learn, you know, your strengths and your weaknesses, how to use your strengths, how to address your weaknesses and just kind of truly how to, understand how you work as an athlete and a person. Oh yeah. Segwaying with the person thing is mm-hmm. guess what? Uh, this is stuff that is valuable for life. It's valuable for your career. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, having that mental toughness, having confidence, uh, you know, having, you know, a solid sense of self is mm-hmm. going to serve you well in any aspect of life, school relationships, jobs, 
whatever, because life ultimately is a sport, you know, kind of in my book. And we have ups, we have downs. Um, but if we are equipped to handle and cope with those, we're going to fare much better. And we're just going to have a better overall quality of life and, you know, experience more happiness and more positive emotion that way. Mm. You actually just hit my next question yeah. was how does that, um, and you're going to blow your competition away more than like there you go totally <laughs> my next question that, you have something that a lot of people other people don't have yes very true <laughs> yes that secret weapon that's so important um, and you hit my next question was how does it help outside of sport but mm-hmm. you also mentioned too a little bit in there you know touching on the whole athlete not just yeah. their performance so well they're people yes you know? there we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, you know, it's just like, yes, the lifestyle is different. There's different demands. Yep. But at the end of the day, athletes, I mean, let's face it, we still have vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so we still need to address. Um, and a lot of times I find if we, a lot, of, I'll get a new athlete in and we'll start doing just more sports specific stuff. And I find that I'm just like, it's just not, it's not flowing. Mm-hmm then I start exploring other areas mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. And sometimes when we just address kind of what's happening off the track, off the mm-hmm. court field, whatever the performance improves because the athletes more freed up mm-hmm. and, you know, inevitably you're going to learn coping skills and stuff like that, that way. But in the, in order to, you know, have peak performance, you know, nothing's ever going to be perfect, mm-hmm. but we do need to make sure that our stress is managed and uh, that everything, you know, that we're, you know, approaching thriving in our own lives. And if we're not, we're going to, you know, I know with me, I'm going to work very hard to get you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea of dressing the whole person. I, I mean, I think some it's athletes like you have to, yeah. I, I like, I think some athletes forget that, you know, we're a resource that, you know, yeah. we, we're, we're, we're a resource, you know, yeah. like we were, a, you know, another coach for you. We just yeah. do things. We talk more usually than move yeah. more. Yeah. So, um, I, I really value what you just said in your last answer. So thank, thank you. you for that. Um, so as we yeah, begin, to- you've been building me up this whole ah! podcast. This oh awesome. my gosh. Well, seriously, I mean, I, I literally think that we, we often get looked over in our profession to yeah. be perfectly honest, especially, you know, being a female in this profession. Yeah. So I really am so happy that we were able to connect because you're providing a new outlet, a new, um, point of view for a lot mm-hmm. of listeners, I think. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> um, so as we begin to wrap up, we did get one reader question that I'd like okay. to address and it's a little bit vague, but I think maybe you can work with it. Um, right. so she wrote to us and she said, how do I deal with mental burnout? Physically she's fine, but the thought mm-hmm. of running is just exhausting to her and she can't do it. Um, so I know that's very vague cause it's hard, yeah. to, you know, when you don't have a lot of information, but maybe you could give her some advice or some helpful tips. Right. And that, that comes to, you also want to look at, you know, maybe there's external stuff in your life that's contributing to it. Maybe you need to uh, change race formats. Like if you're doing roads, change your distance up or, you know, change the format, mm-hmm. try some trail racing, or maybe uh, just changing the place in your life that running takes. And there's also, there's nothing wrong with stepping away and exploring other interests. And of Mm -hmm. course, my answer is going to be very general, Mm -hmm. but uh, just some, some, there's so many different ways you can approach this. Mm -hmm. You know, there's time off, there is approaching kind of how you take care of yourself in general. Uh, You know, I know for me, 
if I find that, you know, my, my attitude starts getting kind of negative towards my daily runs, I'm like, I, I start to do a little troubleshooting what's bothering me. Mm. And maybe I feel like I'm becoming a slave to the GPS. So guess what? Sorry, GPS, you can't go. Mm. Um, so I switch, you know, I try to switch things up and I suggest that with others because you need to tap into just the purity that is running. Mm. And I'm the type, uh, nothing against Strava, but I don't think I'll probably, I'll ever use it because I know mm -hmm. myself mm. and, uh, it, it, you know, it'll invite my, you know, I'll, I'll get hung up on numbers and comparison. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's not what running is about. Mm. So you want to actually go back to your why, you know, say you're burned out. And figure out, okay, what got me into this in the first place? Mm -hmm. And what are some things I can do? You know, you can't go back in time, mm -hmm. but you can take where you are now and, and kind of, you know, rewind it, or reset the clock or something like that. Mm -hmm. You literally, Adrian, took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, you know, another option is figuring out. Right, yeah. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> right back at you. Um, but figuring out that why, that was my yeah. you know, suggestion to her. And I was wondering if you were going to say something similar. Yeah. So I'm glad that you did. <laughs> yeah, because that, that's like the underlying foundation for yes. a lot of, you know, athletics. And if you want to stay in your sport, the reason you need to own it, you need to yes. own your why. Mm -hmm. Um, and the why might change kind of as we evolve and stuff like that. Like I know that my competitive days will come to a close. Mm -hmm. My why will change, uh, maybe a little bit and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, it, my why was different when I was in, you know, high school and college right. and stuff like that. You know, I did it just because I liked it and, uh, I'm not gonna lie. I felt kind of like a boss doing it. My friends were like, yeah. I didn't do that. <laughs> and I'm just like, you just. Yeah, just like you lace up, you, you, you don't have to it. think about anything. Totally. Oh, that's great. And um, thank you for addressing that. Um, I, I do appreciate it. I know our reader and, and even our listeners who, yeah. you know, didn't submit that would appreciate it. So as we come to a close, I have um, two to three final questions for you. Okay. Um, so what's currently making you thrive? What is making you live a, oh, a lot happier right now? Oh gosh. Well, number one, you know, it's like I wake up every morning and I get to do what I love. Um, and that's so, it's, it's just awesome. You know, so I know that I don't know what my day is going to look like, but I'm going to give somebody my best. I get to help people and I get to help people along their journeys and they're all at different places and I get to do all these different things. Um, and of course, you know, you know, training also brings me joy. But, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of learning the longer I'm, you know, I sound like an old person, but the longer I'm alive, <laughs> basically, is that, you know, when we actually focus on what's most important and the simple things and mm -hmm. truly, you know, kind of following your passion and not mm -hmm. denying it, yeah. that, you know, you're, you're going to thrive and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Like, you know, I'll probably be in a different spot six to 12 months from now, but that's okay. So, and, you know, another thing that kind of helps me, you know, thrive is just making sure that I work to stay present, that, you know, I'm not looking back in the past or at least not looking back at things I shouldn't or worrying about things that haven't happened, but I just take what I have right in front of me and I just find that approach, you know, it works really well for me. I imagine it works really well for a lot of other athletes too. 
And that's such a hard thing to do. So I admire that, you know, you know, Oh, I don't have it perfected. Yeah. But I do know when I'm feeling my best is I'm working with what I have right here, right now. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes total, total sense. Um, so we ask all our guests this question, but what does does being (laughs) um, a strong runner chick mean to you? Yeah. Well, Allie Kiefer stole mine. (laughs) Totally. Um, so I'll take that and I'll unpack. Sounds uh, good. So a strong runner chick to me knows herself, uh, accepts herself for who she is, strengths, uh, you know, vulnerabilities. She embraces it. Uh, she knows what works for her and mm-hmm. she doesn't compromise on any of these things. Mm. Oh, great answer. And I love that you elaborated on Allie's because she, she like said it and I was like, oh my gosh, clearly well, she comes up with the best so, answer. It was just so concise. So oh my gosh. So me, great. You know, I could talk forever about all this kind of stuff. So I'm sort of like my clients are just like, shut up, Adrian. You talk too much. <laughs> um well so um if we have a listener or a reader who read your um a layer deeper uh post um who want would like to connect with you or reach out about a question or anything how can they do so okay i have a facebook page for my practice Mm -hmm. um and you just have to just type in uh adrian langelier uh sports psychology consulting so just type Adrian and then just start typing in L's. I'm sure you're telling me because <laughs> that uh, tricky last maybe, name. Yeah, maybe we should do a podcast on like weird last names. That, might be that would be fun. so funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm on Facebook. Uh, my website is a work in progress. Again, okay. I've been in this new office four days. I'm still getting my feet on the ground. So stay mm-hmm. tuned. I try to post pretty frequently on Instagram and it's just mm-hmm. my first name, Adrian period Longelier. Um, so those are the easiest way to find me. And, you know, it, I do see athletes all over the country. You know, mm-hmm. I do distance work. So, you know, I'm, if anybody hat wants any specific work done or has any questions, you can get my email and you can contact me through those state, through those channels. And I also have a blog too, but it's a little more vague and it's just called sporty brains. Mm-hmm. I read some of your articles on your blog yeah. and I love them. I thought they were, some of them were really, really, um, lovely and well-written. So, yeah. Like yeah. I like to mix, you know, I try to balance humor and yeah. you know, what you see is what you get on that blog. I try to be very real. Then my last post kind of in response to the uh, USA gymnastics case, yeah. that was definitely, mm-hmm. it had to be uh, more seriously toned, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. And I always take topic requests for the blog too. So oh, great. Well, thank you so much, Adrian, for your time tonight. We really oh, thank you so much it. for having me. This was a lot of fun. This was so much fun. We'll have to do a part two in the future. I'm thinking because I'd oh, love to yeah. geek out with you a little bit more in depth. And and yeah. uh, now that we have your full story, I'd love to go a little more deeper um, into oh my. the topics we've talked about. <laughs> yeah. So get um, ready, kids. Yeah. <laughs> thank you again, and SRC listeners. Thank you for um, another joining us for another episode. We appreciate your time, and we hope you have a great evening. Bye, you guys. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Strong Runner Chicks Radio. Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chicks.